702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, South Africans have come out to celebrate the Springboks. The trophy tour is underway in Pretoria. It's heading to Joburg and Soweto soon. The AGOA Forum kicks off today. The Parole Board plans to meet to discuss Oscar Pistorius' release from prison. And our book of the week is about the good, the bad and the ugly scenarios for South Africa's uncertain future. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today as South Africa celebrates the Springboks, the trophy tour getting underway today, the Union Buildings in Pretoria. Uh, They are in Pretoria at the moment, going through the streets of Pretoria and the city, the capital, has come out in full support of the Boca today. It looks like such a vibe out there. The crowd is is many, many people deep and it looks like those, those Boca are having the time of their lives. Chesson Colby is still wearing his straps from the match on Saturday night. He said he doesn't want to take them off because he's worried the magic will disappear. So he's still walking around. I hope he showered. Um, you can shower and keep the straps on. I understand that. Um, Damien Willemser is in the same match kit that he wore on Saturday night. He's walking around the union buildings wearing his kit, his dirty rugby shorts from Saturday night. Sia Kulisi has been showing off uh, his new tattoo of the trophy and the dates on his calf. I did see on Instagram the Fallen Heroes guys were uh, at the hotel giving the Boca uh, tattoos. So it really looks like they are having the most incredible time. It started out pretty formal with the president making an address this morning. Have a listen to what Sir Ramaphosa had to say. I have said before that we do not make light of the challenges that our country faces. We certainly do not imagine that a sporting victory can and will wish them away. And yet, I want to say that the event of last Saturday, this week, today, and the next, is about celebrating the glory of the Springboks. Glory that did not come easy, and glory that is richly deserved. And when I addressed... You as a team, I say when you win, and I didn't say if, I said when you win this cup, you will move into immortality. And today as a team, you are immortal. You have made us really proud. For everything, there is a time. This is the time of our national heroes. The Springboks, let us celebrate them, let us give them their due. And I know that many South Africans would like the team and the management team to do a parade in every town, in every village, in the country. But our country is so big. That's the president speaking earlier. Shortly after him, Sia Kolisi, the captain, the two-time World Cup winning captain, took to the podium. Have a listen to what he had to say. And the things that you must go through to be where you are in life, um, honestly, the other countries can't understand. So your your support really kept us going. And also, we, we are very diverse, just like you are outside there. 
and we just wanted to show that diversity is our strength in South Africa and uh, to encourage Mr. President and the cabinet we need to use our diversity a bit more. We, I think it's a powerful force that a lot of countries don't have that we have that we can use very brightly because I think coming from different backgrounds and different areas we all see different challenges and we see life differently and the more we share towards South Africa the more we put South Africa friends and we work for South Africa and everything that I do is focused on that and that's what we did as, as Kubo players and we did it by playing rugby it's very easy but I believe you can use that amongst the country itself and obviously with everybody else that you work with in parliament so so the Springboks are now making their way from uh, Tuane to Johannesburg. They are having a lunch at uh, one of the sponsors in Johannesburg. And then they're going to be continuing that bus tour around uh, the Joburg CBD in Bramfontein, across the, across the Nelson Mandela Bridge, and then into Soweto. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, was in Pretoria with the uh, Bok team and with the president. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, describe what, what the scenes were like earlier today in Pretoria. Good afternoon, Mandy. Yo, you know, Pretoria really came out in their numbers this morning to support uh, uh, the Springboks as they embark or kickstart their Web Ellis Trophy Tour. You know, thousands and thousands of people in different parts of the municipality we started off at the union buildings where, you know, they received a presidential welcome uh, from cabinet members and the president, Cyril Ramaphosa himself. They moved to parts of the east of Pretoria and then they moved to the CBD back way. Uh, they went to the Church Square Parks and thousands and thousands of people were just there around the park just cheering for the box. And, you know, those tall and long buildings uh, at, in the CBD, you could just see people from the top floors just looking at the box uh, as they are moving across the CBD. So it was really, really uh, a massive uh, delegations of Pretor- delegation of Pretorians who came out to support the box today. Alpha, you had some interaction with some of the uh, players. Um, I- I'll try and be euphemistic about this, but it looks like they're having a, a fairly good time at the moment. <laughs> well, Mandy, I-, I can't even tell you that some of them uh, are not so bad at the moment. You know, they... They are having the time of their lives. In fact, if you just log on to the EWN Reporter Twitter account, you can see that some of the players are drinking from the Web Ellis uh, um, trophy that they keep on uh, holding uh, from time and time again. And, you know, uh, I posted also a number of videos of uh, Captain Siakolisi showing off uh, his new tattoo of the Web Ellis Trophy, where he is drawing off the tattoo, and then 2019, 2023 on the bottom of it, and you can just uh, see that you know he's devoted his life to actually serving the South African rugby team. Uh, Chelsea, uh, Kobe is still very much wearing those armbands that he was wearing the game and if we're talking about uh, Damien he's also still wearing the very same kit that he wore uh, on the finals you know he actually told me that he doesn't plan on taking it off anytime soon and he says just uh, until the conclusion of the tour he will tour the country wearing that very same kit good for him good for him Alpha thank you so much Alpha Ramashwana EWN reporter he was at the union buildings hey remember when when Jack Grealish the footballer uh, won the treble with Man City and everybody was giving him such a hard time for, for partying so 
hard and drinking so hard. I'm waiting for the criticism here of uh, of the Bocker for their behaviour because there's a lot of uh, Brunavan and Coke uh, in that William Webb Ellis Cup. I don't think it's ever seen so much brandy and Coke. Um, but these guys are these guys deserve to celebrate. How, however, they choose to do so. I do wonder how President Cyril Ramaphosa feels when he's sitting next to Sia Colisi and Colisi says, um, "Well, we are the, the the hope. Everything else in South Africa it doesn't seem to work and, and is so negative." And the the Boca uh, are, are, are the last line of defence because there's so much going wrong in our country. I do wonder how the president feels about that. So, as I said, that uh, trophy tour is making its way to Johannesburg this afternoon. After they are finished with lunch at the sponsors, they are going to be starting that Joburg Trophy tour at the um, the Metro Building in uh, in the the centre of Joburg, and then they're going to go over the Nelson Mandela Bridge towards Soweto. Oren Singh, EWN reporter, is in Joburg in anticipation of that. Oren, good afternoon to you. Is there a, a build-up happening at all in the Joburg CBD? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, we're seeing quite a different picture in Johannesburg CBD as we did in Pretoria this morning. Things seem a bit quiet in the streets of Joburg this morning, specifically within Bramfontein and Newtown. Not many people out at the moment. We hear ever so often some uh, loud hooters coming from fans who are blowing bubozellas and hanging out um, South African flags out of their windows. But we're expecting to see the streets uh, flooded a bit more with green and gold um, supporters come 2 p.m. when the Springboks are expected to make their way over the iconic Nelson Mandela Bridge linking Bramfontein and Newtown this afternoon before they make their way into Soweto and finally end up at the FNB Stadium. And what are we expecting to happen at the FNB Stadium? Do we have an idea? I understand that people are able to actually get tickets to go into the stadium. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure around the setup, um, Mandy, but I do know that there will be a number of addresses uh, done at the FNB Stadium. I do know um, the FNB CEO, who are one of the main sponsors of the Springboks and uh, the tournament, um, are, is expected to address the box, uh, as well as the uh, officials from government who are present there. But we're expecting that a lot of people are going to come out in their numbers. A lot of people are going to be there to support the box. The box, obviously, in very good spirits. Um, Mandy, and we, we, we can't take that away from the yeah. boys. They were gone for 21 weeks, um, and now they still have to go on this media tour and expect it to be in Cape Town tomorrow and Etiquini, Durban on Saturday. So um, I'm just sure the boys are having a good time and just going <laughs> to enjoy sure. themselves. Oren, thank you so much. Uh, Oren Singh, he's in the Joburg CBD for us, waiting uh, for that trophy tour to take place this afternoon. Tolani Fikla is the JMPD spokesperson. Tolani, uh, good afternoon to you. Just so that people know exactly where this trophy tour is going in Joburg and which roads are going to be affected, just give us a rundown there, if you don't mind. Uh, thank you so much uh, to you, Mandy. Uh, we know that the parade uh, uh, for the trophy will start uh, at uh, 2 o'clock, and that's at Help McCall College. It's on Mellow Street in Brantentine. From there, they'll turn right into Amershoff and left into Yonsmart's Avenue and Bertha Street, traveling across Nelson Mandela Bridge into the Johannesburg uh, CBD. From there, they'll turn left into Lillian and Goy Street and right into Simmons Street. We know that their first stop will be at the Bank City at Simmons Street. will be approximately 20 to 30 minutes there where well, the FNB CEO will give an address from the Springbok bus roof. From there, the 
parade will uh, travel down Simmons Street and turn right into Commissioner, which then becomes the main reef road, traveling through Crown and Amalgam. Then they'll then turn left onto Nazareth Road, traveling past River Lee and the Nazareth Expo Center. They'll turn right at Ranshaw Road, which becomes Ben Deer and Bibcliffe, and turn left into Emming Drive and right onto Chris Honey Road, traveling past Maponia Mall until they turn right at Clipsbrate Valley Road, traveling towards Orlando West, where they'll turn left into Kumalo Main Road and left into Villagazi Street, where they'll travel up Villagazi, right up into the Hector Peterson Memorial, travel down Kumalo Road and back onto Clipsbrate Valley Road. Then they'll join us away to Harlem, where they're going to their final destination, which is the F&B Stadium. The estimated the time of, of arrival for the Springboks at F&B is at about quarter to four in the afternoon. And then from there, they will have proceedings inside the, the stadium. I know that they'll do a lap of honor. There'll be addresses uh, from uh, the CEO of F&B and also from the executive mayor of the city of Johannesburg. Sure. Kolani, you should have been a traffic reporter. Well done. That was that was excellent. Well done. Kolani Fikla, the JMPD Thank spokesperson, so uh, running us through exactly where the trophy tour is going to go in Joburg today. Now, I know that some people are unhappy about the fact that the trophy tour is not going through Santon or the northern suburbs. Uh, and I appreciate that because uh, I think that many people would like to have seen that. However, Jump in your car, get on the M1 highway. It's 10 minutes uh, from from the, the northern suburbs to, to Bramfontein. Uh, pick up your kids from school, take them through, go and celebrate the, the Boca uh, and go and be part of this incredible atmosphere that's out there today. Do you think things should have been different? I know there's some cities that are unhappy. Kabecha, as an example, unhappy that the Boca aren't uh, on coming there uh, for the trophy tour. Let me know what you think. Send us a WhatsApp voice note 072 702 1702 072 1567. Tafara on the WhatsApp line says, Hi Mandy, please can you inquire if there are buses to FNB Stadium for those with tickets for the box? Thanks for our. I do not know the answer to that question. We are trying to find out. Uh, and as soon as we do know, I will let you know. Mandy, this is Craig from Vienegan. If the Proteus cricket team wins the Cricket World Cup, is Mr. Ramaphosa going to quickly declare another public holiday? And now, it's back to Mandy Wiener on the Midday Report. This is 702. Let's walk the talk. So while we're all celebrating the Springboks, there are very important things that are still happening in the country. Uh, the African Growth Opportunity uh, Act, AGOA Forum, kicking off in Johannesburg today. The South African government in partnership with the United States government hosting the two-day event. It is significant for the trade relationship between Africa and the United States. EWN reporter Nokokanya Mtambo is there for us. Nokokanya, good afternoon to you. Uh, tell us what's happening on the first day of the AGOA Forum. Good afternoon, Mandy. So it's still uh, the very early stages of this conference. What we've seen so far is an address, an opening address by uh, Trade and Industry Minister Ibrahim Patel, as well as the AU Trade Chair, Albert Mochanga, just taking us through, in essence, what we expect to unfold over the next couple of days until Sunday, uh, until Saturday, rather. Uh, just taking us through also the importance uh, of this conference, particularly when it comes to uh, structural development within the region. Uh, admitting, Mandy, that the uh, AGOA Forum has
have been underutilized so far, but they have been lessons that have been learned over the years since 2000 when it was first established. And those are the sort of lessons that they're looking to at the moment to sort of build uh, this forum and uh, to enhance it and make it better for trade. Uh, but he also, uh, both uh, Ibrahim Patel as well as Albert Wachanga, highlighting the um, major developments that came on the back of this uh, uh, conference, uh, particularly uh, the U.S. Senator John Kennedy announcing the extension of GOA, and that's expected to be one of the major discussions, that extension, whether or not uh, it will be a 20-year extension uh, beyond 2025, uh, or whether they'll uh, lean towards the 10-year extension, which is what the African countries, Mandy, uh, appear to be looking for at the moment. But the importance uh, of that extension is, of course, uh, investor confidence. Um, you right. know, uh, b- both of the, the chairs this morning just highlighting the need for uh, investors to have some sort of certainty in terms of um, you know, how far trade can go. But I'll have you listen to uh, uh, Minister Ibrahim Patel, SA's Trade and Industry Minister, just uh, taking us through the importance of this conference, Mandy. And so as our U.S. friends look to the African continent, we want them to see this as a major place of procurement, not just from one country, but across the continent. And the second observation I want to make relates to processing of raw materials. Africa needs more industrialization, more value addition here on the continent. And we can do so in partnership. So that is Anukukaniam Tambo, EWN reporter. Thank you for that update. Let's get some analysis on this now with Professor Adrian Saville, who's a professor at Gibbs for Finance and Strategy. Prof, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Anukukania mentioned there the uh, the timeline of that extension, whether it be five years or 10 years. Do you expect that to be one of the uh, significant talking points during the AGOA forum? Randy, thanks for having me. I don't think it's um, uh, uh, it's... Uh, you know specifically whether it's five or ten what you know what investors uh, are looking for and it's not investors in capital markets it's it's investors in business and enterprise that are going to participate uh, in these export opportunities what they're looking for uh, is certainty and I'd venture that you know five years is the nearest possible uh, time frame and once you're getting into ten plus years you know then you're talking about stuff that you know really would put um, uh, 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 bricks and mortar uh, into the earth. What are you watching for then uh, over the next few days? I did see that uh, the US President Joe Biden has put out a statement about uh, Goa uh, reinstating Mauritania's uh, benefits. Uh, he's looking mm-hmm. to to axe four other countries. So what do you think are going to be the big issues? You know, so it's worth, I think, just taking a step backwards and you know recognizing that, or a step back, <laughs> and recognizing that uh, African markets generally and South Africa specifically have been unsuccessful uh, in participating in the opportunity represented by uh, the North American market. This is the biggest market uh, dominating global trade over the last uh, 25 years. And broadly speaking, African economies have been unsuccessful uh, in participating in this and South Africa um, belongs to that cluster. So, you know, more than pointing to the act as the basis for um, uh, engaging in the global trade opportunity or the North American trade opportunity, I think we really need to look to ourselves to answer the question, why have we been uh, so unsuccessful uh, in this endeavor? 
There were some concerns about South Africa's relationship with the U.S. being uh, somewhat mm. fractured over the Lady yeah. R debacle. Is this an opportunity to, to rebuild, repair that relationship? And uh, is yeah. it in the interests of, of the U.S. to do so? You know, Mandy, the, the, the problem here is that um, there is a... There, there really is a dilemma in that you've got historically uh, the, the, the northern uh, uh, economies, uh, the global north, have represented South Africa's uh, biggest trade partner, biggest investment partner, biggest provider of intellectual property. Uh, and so historically, this is a, a, a critical uh, relationship. At the same time, and enter the dilemma, uh, the Global South uh, is quickly uh, emerging as um, our new investment trade partner, um, with just India and China alone representing three billion population markets. So you have to, on the one hand, you know, hang on to this historical relationship, and in the same breath try and embrace this uh, new emerging opportunity. South Africa, to this point, has not been successful uh, in this venture. I don't think that we have showered ourselves in glory. And if we're going to take lessons or principles or guide from anyone, it might be India that could perhaps give us one of the better guides on how to navigate uh, facing North and South at the same time. Prof, thank you so much, uh, Professor Adrian Saville, Professor at Gibbs for Finance and Strategy, giving us some analysis there on the AGOA Forum, which begins in Johannesburg today. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hey, Mandy. So I'm super excited for the box. Uh, very happy to see them. Um, and on this parade and the tour that they're doing, I'm actually going to go and see them in Joburg Town. However, I think Joburg Town's an absolutely terrible destination. There's literally nowhere to park your car. Um, you've got to park super far away and then walk through Joburg Town to try and get to these spots where they're going to be. And uh, it is exceptionally dangerous as well, um, especially if you have kiddies and carrying a whole bunch of stuff with you, etc. Um, definitely not uh, the best choice in my view. I think they definitely should have moved to Sandton, but either way, I'm going to go there, risk it, and see if I can get to see the box while they're on their parade tour. Hi, Mindy. To the gentleman who's been asking, would we get a holiday if the Proteus win? Uh-uh, uh-uh. They'll have to win it four times first before we get that holiday. We just want them to win it once. We don't need the Proteus to win the World Cup four times. We just want them to win a World Cup once. We'll take it. And I'm sure they'll share the public holiday because the president was very careful in his wording. He said this public holiday on the 15th of December is for the Springboks and our other sporting teams that are doing us proud. So, I mean, that wasn't verbatim what he said, but that's pretty much what he said. Uh, and in terms of the, the trophy parade going through uh, Joburg CBD today, I did ask you if you're happy with that. Uh, I know that it's out of your comfort zone for, for many people. Um, and I was concerned about parking as well. It's something that I wanted to ask Golani Fichler from um, JMPD is where should people park? Um, because that is an issue, issue in the city of Joburg. Uh, but the trophy tour starts at Help Makara and then it goes through uh, over the, the Nelson Mandela Bridge. So there are areas around Bramfontein which don't include going right into the Joburg CBD itself uh, if that's what you're concerned about. But I do think it's worth going out and supporting the Boca today. 702. 702. Mandy Weiner. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m.
Well, let's take a look at what else is happening in the country today, aside from a goer and the box. The Senzo Miyua murder trial, that's uh, happening again today. So let's uh, check in with Khamoto Modise, EWN reporter, to find out what's happening there. Khamoto, good afternoon to you. What's happening in court today? Good afternoon, Mandy. So another police officer on the witness stand today. This is all part of the state's uh, case or the evidence that they've been leading around those confession statements. We've been hearing an, a testimony from a number of uh, uh, police officers who either transported the accused to go make these statements um, or were part of the process a part of the escort, a part of uh, um, you know, the people that were present when the statements were taken. And today we're actually getting closer to uh, the main investigating officer in this case, that's Brigadier Gilinda, one of uh, his teammates, that is um, the Sergeant Mohane, Mohane, uh, Mohane, is currently on the witness stand. And he's testifying about what happened at the arrest. He's actually led the, the court into the process that took place. He's spoken about how um, the police actually arrested Bongani Ndanzi for a different crime, even though they knew that he'd been linked to the murder of Senzo Meiwa. It was part of their strategy, it seemed, to arrest him on a crime um, around a murder in Nongoma in order to get him into custody and then to continue investigating. And he's detailed how or where he found, where they found Bongani Ndanzi uh, in the northwest in Puking, and he was moved to uh, the Pretoria High Court, but some uh, the Pretoria Police Station rather than Pretoria North Police Station. But something interesting right now that's just happened, Mandy, is a bit of a an exchange. So, um, you know, Mohane at some point wanted to divulge a bit more to tell the court that you know Dante actually said he knew about Sindhumi was murder, but then he was stopped by the state. He said, please don't go into the details of what happened there. And then Mohane once again went back and said, no, but he actually told Kininda that he knew what happened. Um, and then we, we saw the state um, interjecting once again, saying, just tell us about what happened in the process and, and what happened when you guys transported him to go make the confessions. Don't tell us about the actual confessions that were made. So that's really the evidence that's been dealt with today. And we're expecting to hear from another investigating uh, or a member of the investigation team next week, that is Sergeant Mukhola, before Brigadier Gilinda comes, who is the head of the cold cases unit that investigated the murder of Senzo Meiwa. Khamoto, thank you very much. Khamoto Madise, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on the Senzo Meiwa trial. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. I'm busy watching on the TV screen Sia Kulisi in a full cry at the MTN buildings in the west of Johannesburg, busy leading supporters in song there. He's gone straight into the crowd to go sing with uh, with everyone. I want to try and listen in to see if we can hear anything. Uh, and this is on News from Africa. Unfortunately, we didn't quite uh, get that, but uh, I can just describe the image to you of Sia Kulisi uh, really, really giving it a, a full go. He's enjoying this so much. Uh, there is an arch of green and yellow balloons. The whole team is on the stage at the moment uh, getting ready for formalities, but there's uh, the crowd is going wild at the MTN buildings. These guys are absolute rock stars at the moment, and Sia Kulisi leading the team there, uh, singing. Uh, another Guijo squad is there as well, so he's been singing along with, with everyone uh, as they uh, stop for lunch at MTN before heading out to Joburg on the trophy tour. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m.
In Cape Town, the man accused of setting parliament lights, Andile Mafes, back in the Western Cape High Court today. An inquiry into his fitness to stand trial due to start. Proceedings expected to take about two days. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, following that. Ntutuzelo, good afternoon to you. Tell us what's happened in court so far. Um, good afternoon, Mandy. And yes, indeed, that Section 79 inquiry into Mafes' fitness to stand trial um, is currently underway at the Western Cape High Court. Now, this is to assist the court um, to determine whether Mafe is, is of sound mind to understand the proceedings during trial. Two psychiatric assessment reports have found him not to be fit, and they've also found that at the time of the f- offense, um, he could not appreciate the wrongfulness of his alleged conduct. But Mandy, uh, before court proceedings could start, and as Mafia was being ushered in from the holding cell, he went on a rant as he was being brought into court. Um, and this happened after he was greeted by one of our colleagues. Um, and in his almost 10-minute rant, he criticized the decision to send him for psychiatric evaluation at Falkenberg Hospital. Um, he also made statements about his reasons for allegedly setting Parliament on fire in January last year. But unfortunately, uh, we can't use any of that content because his legal counsel, Advocate Dalim Pofu, um, walked in and asked that we stop recording and calmed Muffet down. Um, and before you know, the inquiry got underway, both the state and the defense asked the court um, to rule whether us as the media can publish the contents of that outburst. Now, they argued that the incident happened without his lawyer being present, and um, Judge Nathan Erasmus um, has told us that, you know, he might make this ruling before court adjourns for the day, and asked that we hold off for now um, from publishing anything um, until such a judgment has been made. Fascinating stuff, Ntutuzelo. Thank you. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, uh, giving us an update there on the Zandile Mafe case. And advocate Dalian Pofu is involved in that matter as well. He really is a very busy advocate. Uh, his diary is jam-packed. But he's involved there as uh, that inquiry into the fitness to stand trial of Zandile Mafe gets underway today. 702, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. So there's been some development around Oscar Pistorius and whether or not he will be eligible for parole. We now understand that the Department of Correctional Services Parole Board plans to convene a hearing to consider whether Pistorius will be eligible for early release before the end of this month. Uh, Pistorius's lawyer says that they received a letter to this effect from the board. Remember, there was a lot of confusion uh, whether or not Pistorius was actually eligible for parole when there was a meeting of the parole board previously. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, has the story for us. Bernadette, good afternoon to you. Uh, so where do we stand at the moment in terms of parole for Oscar Pistorius? All right. Well, as you mentioned, Mandy, in March, he um, he he bought an application for parole. The idea was that was when he had served half a sentence, which is how long you need to serve before you become eligible. Um, and just before the parole hearing, there was this communique from the SCA, which was the court responsible for handing down his final sentence, because obviously there were a number of appeals and whatnot. And this communique indicated that he actually would only become eligible in August next year. And as a result, his application was refused at 
the time. Um, he and his legal team believed that this was wrong, that they were calculating his, his period of incarceration incorrectly, and they then turned to the Constitutional Court and bought an application. Um, and in, in a ruling handed down, or in an order at least handed down last month, I think it was the 9th of October, the Constitutional Court effectively confirmed that um, indeed he had been eligible for parole since March, um, and by March he had served half his sentence. So what this means in effect is that um, he's been incarcerated for the last several months, I think it's about six or seven months now, um, without having the opportunity to apply for parole um, when he should have. So we heard from the Concord, like I say, last month, and we got a statement from the department sort of on the same day or potentially the next day saying that they would announce a way forward in due course. We've heard nothing from them since. But I did speak to Oscar Pistorius' lawyer yesterday, and he indicated that yesterday they did receive a letter from the parole board indicating that they had now received um, Oscar Pistorius' prisoner profile and that the victims were going to have an opportunity to make submissions and that they were planning on convening a, a parole hearing to consider whether or not he should be released before the end of this month. And that's an important point that you make there because he isn't automatically eligible for parole. There is a parole hearing and the victim's family, so in this case Reva Steenkamp's mother, I imagine, uh, would be uh, asked to, to make a submission as well. Yes, absolutely. So just because he he is eligible for parole from the point of view that he's served half his sentence doesn't necessarily mean he qualifies for it. Um, but we do know that from, from previous court cases around this issue, that in terms of the reports compiled by um, social workers and the department and the various stakeholders who have to get involved and give their opinion, they had previously all supported his being placed on parole. Um, but again, the parole board needs to consider it and ultimately they need to, they need to make a decision there. Bernadette, thank you very much. Uh, Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, joining us there to give us an update on the Oscar Pistorius matter uh, and whether or not he's going to be eligible for parole. 702 and Cape Talk. Book of the Week. On Thursdays on the Midday Report, we speak to the author, or in this case, authors uh, of a local nonfiction book. And uh, this is a, a very contemporaneous issue. It's very timely. Uh, and the book is called The Good, the Bad and the Ugly, Scenarios for South Africa's Uncertain Future. Um, and we are speaking to two of the authors today, Ray Hartley and Greg Mills. The book is out of the Brenthurst Foundation. And, and it speaks about the fact that South Africa is facing an extraordinary polycrisis. The dimensions of this crisis include an energy collapse, a failing rail network, weak education outcomes, water supply. It's the stuff we talk about on radio every single day. Uh, endemic corruption, the fact that government has, has largely uh, been crippled. But on the other hand also, the country has uh, incredible assets, uh, minerals, an enviable constitution, thriving agricultural and auto industries, uh, a prosecution service that is rapidly being built. So the choice is stark, as the book puts it. We either build in the positives and take the country forward or we'll be overwhelmed by the negatives and end up as another Zimbabwe or Venezuela. Uh, so let's start off with Ray Hartley, who is one of the authors of this book. Ray, good afternoon to you. Thanks very much for, for your time. Just before the ANC conference in December, the Brenthurst Foundation released some scenario planning for what could happen. Uh, a lot like Clem Santa did in the 80s with the high road and the low, low road. Uh, you looked at the good, the bad 
and the ugly. And and there was a huge response to that. We spoke about it on this uh, radio show. And it seemed as though people really wanted to talk about this. The The future never seemed so uncertain. And and is that why you decided that this should should be a book? Uh, yes, thanks, Mandy. Yeah, we had an incredible response to the scenarios, which we did with uh, Rolf Mayer. And... Uh, you know, we, we did a presentation and we issued them publicly and published them on our website. And so then we thought, well, let's, you know, just take a, take it a step further and, and make a book out of it to try and explore it in a little bit more depth. And so we came up with the, the good, the bad and the ugly. So maybe if we if we unpack that a bit few, uh, a bit further um, before I get to to Greg, um, when you look at the good and the bad and the ugly, just a reminder for people what those three various scenarios are for the country. Well, I think the good scenario is 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 very clear and has been spelled out by many people, which is, you know, that we make the tough decisions that we need to make to get rid of um, the rot in the civil service and in the state-owned enterprises deal with our electricity crisis, deal with state spending that's out of control, as we saw from yesterday's budget speech. There's no serious effort to deal with that at the moment. And and start implementing the reforms that actually bring everybody together and allow capital to be invested in these, uh, in, in infrastructure, electricity, transport, rail, etc., that is so desperately needed to get the economy going again. And I think that's, you know, it requires a political realignment, I think is the core message of the book, that you can't carry on with the existing system. And that is the ugly scenario is just carrying on, grinding on with our existing politics, which is uh, pretty dysfunctional and, and, and prevents any of these reforms from happening. And that's the point, really, is that there, there is a path out. Uh, Greg, uh, welcome to, to the show. I know we've had some trouble with your line, so thanks for, for, for jumping on. Um, I was having a, a conversation with a diplomat a couple of weeks ago about the future of South Africa, and he kept saying to me, well, is there a path out for South Africa? What is the path out? And and Greg's line, unfortunately, has dropped again. So, I'm, Ray, I'm going to ask you this question. But for you, evidently, there, there is a path out. You argue that there is a clear road towards a positive future. Okay, well, yeah, here's Greg. He can answer on it on my phone. I love how innovative you are. Thank you. You're making things work exactly as you've you've argued in the book. So you can just do this old school and hand Greg the phone. So, Greg, thank you. Well, yes, hi. Sorry about that. No, Technical dramas. No, no problem. We, we'll make it work uh, in, in, in analog style here. Um, so for you, Greg, what, what is the path out for the country? What what needs to be done in order for us to, to choose the good scenario? Well, I think fundamentally there's a structural problem in South Africa that the ruling alliance knows what's required to happen, but the very nature of the alliance itself with a composition of the unions and the ANC plus the SACP, but the unions and the ANC in particular, means that even though they know what is needed, they can't do it because their constituents don't allow them to and it'll do them essentially out of a job. But the problem is it's doing them out of a job anyway in the long run because, as you see from declining levels of ANC support, the public is growing tired of the retention of the alliance over better policy choices. So what's needed in these circumstances is a, is a, a different political formation, one that potentially could be at the center between uh, 
the uh, multi-party charter and the ANC, or you know, more sort of conservative, uh, moderate elements of the ANC, or one that involves the MPC plus others taking over in South Africa, and, that, and from that, from that better political formation, you get better. One would hope policy choices emanating, which by which the government acts in the interests of 62 million people, not just several million civil servants and union members. You make the point in the book that uh, our possible future will be decided by how a series of big unanswered questions are resolved. Greg, what are some of these big unanswered questions? Well, I think the big unanswered questions are about how to get uh, the state-owned sector operating more efficiently, how to get the private sector more involved in the delivery of services, you know, sort of COVID plus plus in terms of the rollout of, of uh, vaccinations, um, how to get the private sector involved in ending load shedding. You know, subsequent polls that we've done at the foundation, including one of a couple of weeks ago, uh, with a fairly large sample size, show that 85% of South, Africa, South Africans are concerned with four issues. One is jobs, number one, corruption, load shedding, and crime. And those are pretty much a good place to start. You need security to carry out your everyday functions and to run businesses. You need the rule of law. You, people are, 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 to use that South African expression, cut full of, of uh, corruption and uh, people enriching themselves at the expense of others. And little has happened in that regard. And then if you look at other polls, they, they point very closely to a much greater willingness than hitherto of the private sector getting involved in service rollout, and in particular on electricity and, and logistics. So those are some of the big unanswered questions in South Africa. But perhaps the biggest of all, Mandy, is, is education. If you looked at one of the most chronic failures in South Africa over the last 30 years, in which we've had a pretty good first half and a pretty terrible second half, if this was a game of rugby. In fact, more than the second half has been pretty terrible. Um, you know, education has been a disaster given the amount of money that's been invested into it. Our matric results are, are spectacularly bad, not good. And particularly maths and science, which is the bedrock mm. of any modernizing society has been poor. So those are some of the very big unanswered questions. Uh, Greg, a last question for you before you uh, hand the phone back to back to Ray. Uh, you do <laughs> yeah. look at some other ex- uh, ex- countries as examples. So the Baltic example, the Brazilian yeah. example, the Venezuela example. Uh, and what do we learn from, from these other countries? Well, I think from Brazil, the one thing we do learn is, you know, reform is like a violin. You generally pick it up with the left and you play it with the right. But whatever you do, don't pick it up with the left and try and play it with the left because it's not going to make a sign. And what the Brazilians have done very well is is on their version of of uh, social grants, they've linked that to better education and healthcare standards. So they, they have in mind the graduation out of the poverty of social grants. And I think we would all agree that it's absolutely necessary to have those social grants to provide a safety net for people in South Africa. But the question is really graduation. You know, what's the graduation process look like? The Baltics show that you can take an appalling inheritance, as Soviet-run countries, uh, politically and economically emasculated, repressed, and very quickly turn things around. And they did that through, okay, they're much smaller than South Africa, they did that through sound-minded leadership that had a plan. And a plan is, is not about endless vision statements. It's not about 
thick documents, of which we are also world champions at. Hmm. It's about the application of resources and timelines to those ideas and prioritizing and sequencing them. Otherwise, they remain just, you know, vague promises blowing in the wind. Greg, thank you very much. Uh, if I can ask you just to hand the phone okay, back we're to... We're going to do the manual interview and pass back to Ray. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, analog manual, that's how I like to refer to it. Uh, Ray, just a, a closing question for, for you. Um, you have, at, at the Brenthurst Foundation, recently released a, a poll uh, of um, expectations ahead yes. of the elections next year, which very interestingly puts the ANC in the low 40s. Um, and you do look at various scenarios that could come out of coalitions next year. Uh, what is the forecast, uh, according to the latest poll, for you? Yeah, so the uh, poll, we, we did it uh, you know, a year earlier, and the ANC was at 48. They've dropped to 41. And quite interestingly, the MPC, uh, the multi-party charter parties, if you aggregate their vote, are at 36. So there's a five-point spread. Uh, it used to be a 14-point spread last year between these two um, major groupings. So there is some political competition in the system, and it's just going to be fascinating to see how that plays out and how others on the outside, like the EFF, uh, play into it. And, you know, coming back to the scenarios, there is the, the bad scenario, which in our view is that the ANC and the EFF get together and uh, carve up their cabinet posts amongst themselves and implement some of these very bad populist uh, policies, nationalization and, and those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. that's one, one quite distinct scenario. Another is that there may be some kind of movement towards the center, uh, which would see a shift, as Greg mentioned, perhaps parts of the ANC um, and other parties that are not on the extremes getting together right. to, to govern. Well, Ray, thank you so much to both you and to Greg for, for that interview and uh, a really fascinating book, very timeous as well, as I said. Uh, Greg Mills is a director of the Brenthurst Foundation. Ray Hartley is research director of the Joburg-based Brenthurst Foundation. And the third author is Mills Soko, professor of international business and strategy at the Wits Business School. The book is called The Good, the Bad and the Ugly Scenarios for South Africa's Uncertain Future. And if you're a futurist, if it's something that you're interested in, ahead of the elections this one's for you the midday report well thank you very much for joining us i'm busy watching the spring box at the moment being celebrated at one of the sponsors mtn where they are having lunch and celebrations are there and then if you're in joburg head out to bramfontein head head out to the nelson mandela bridge that's where you'll see them this afternoon uh, and then go through either to rivoli or to the fnb stadium uh, you can get tickets to go to the fnb stadium if you want a, a little little glimmer uh, a little sight of the william webb ellis trophy and the spring box as well